Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter, and tonight I'm joined with Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. Eon? Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chikrin on Twitter. Okay, we're going to be discussing Jamie's fourth chapter in A Storm of Swords in this episode. Um, trigger warnings for rape and violence in this one in particular. Um, well, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, man. As well mm. as, you know, potential spoilers. Um, yeah, this is an intense one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the bloody mummers are making their way to Harrenhal. Um, Jamie's been feverish. Um, his arm feels as if it's on fire. He has moments where he prays and he weeps. And, you know, we kind of get a lot of su- super vulnerable. You know, he talks about how he's trying to make himself you know, dry his eyes and when they laugh at him. And it's it's pretty torturous. And I don't know if we really get a sense of it. It seems like days and days. Like, we never really get a clear sense of it. It's just it's dragging, weeks. right? Oh, I God. think it's weeks. Yeah. That's horrific to think about. I just feel like, you know, we should probably trigger warning for suicidal ideation yeah. here, too, because... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, this is this is so dark. This is yeah. so dark. For for Happy Jamie's head, this is a very dark place. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the worst like surgery or injury you've ever had, and just compare it to that? Know, and yeah. you know that t- that time frame where you know you have no antibiotics no pain medicine i mean you're out in the woods i mean yeah it's the psychological element of it though too like it's like let's say you have the worst injury you can possibly imagine and the person that did it to you is still there tormenting you yeah yes times however i mean yeah i mean how big are their numbers too i mean they're at least what's uh, that group six, the one six or, or seven, seven. Okay. a lot of oh them. no there's like 20 of them okay 20 okay, okay. Cool. Let's take a yeah it's a big band they started out a smaller band caught them but they hooked uh, up with the rest of the band there's a lot of them all right because Var- vargo had his group when they got mm-hmm. into that sep mm-hmm. you know I, and, but like oh, god george doesn't even i don't even really feel like I mean, he does a good job with these chapters i feel like I mean, you can't. I mean, I guess they don't want to bring too much into this, the other chapter. But man, this stuff is PTSD-inducing to the extreme. I mean, oh so my god, much I, well, it's like like you were saying, it's like it's like you know they're sleeping rough. They're, I mean, just being on horseback for days on end is exhausting. You know, everything about it is just horrible. And it's like he has no pain medicine. He's like infected, feverish. Like literally, there's like maggots and pus or something. I mean, like it's terrible. And there's like, no no privacy. Terrible. There's so you know he's vomiting. He's soiling himself. I he mean, can't this eat. is disturbing. You know, they're is- giving eat. him horse piss yeah. to drink. All he can do is drink because he can't keep food down. So imagine how weak he is. I mean, he was already pretty weak. This is just oh my god. 
just you know and how thin he must be oh my god yeah yeah you don't you don't really you can't get a true sense of this i mean until you read like the details of all of this and you know he's at one point like um you know it's sort of this god it's just so horrible it's like i know to some people they're like oh jb deserve but this is horrific and i mean and you know he has these moments for sort of clarity where he's like now i know how Tyrion has felt all these times they oh, laughed at him like the humiliation and <sighs> Because, like, I mean, we got a glimpse of it in the last chapter where, you know, he gets lazily slapped in the face and that oh, kind of, yeah, like, was... startles him because he's yeah. never been, you know, outrightly, you know, uh, disrespected like that. Like, I'm sure even when he was a captive uh, at River Run, mm-hmm. you know, he was Tywin Lannister's son and there was still some kind of... Uh, d- level of you know respect he was owed and he's untouchable to a certain extent you know yes. only so much mm. can happen to him but now he has been brought so incredibly low and in that he's in the worst pain that he's ever had and he has these men who did it to him laughing at him and it's the utter humiliation of it and then he thinks of Tyrion, and so he thinks this is how Tyrion feels like it well, just it- broke my heart to top it all off, to top off the injury and the psychological trauma of just, you know, these people like mocking him and everything, he's lost his goddamn sword hand, oh. which is literally his entire identity. Mm-hmm. So it's like And it It's around his neck too. Ugh. God, just that terrible. Part. But it's just like it's like George is just like putting him through a meat grinder. It's just like he's getting it from every single side. I mean, like, there's just no no let up it's like the pain of the injury and then the fact that he's like you know out sleeping in the cold and you know it's just like everything is terrible everybody's laughing at him and then he doesn't even know who he is anymore without the yeah. stupid hand so it's just like level on level yeah because that's like catastrophic life change i mean that right there brings you into the realm of the you know what they're talking about the, the suicidal thoughts it's just like it's sort of like these uh catastrophic life changes and you know it's one of those things where there's not you know this is not like he can go to therapy it's not like he has any peace no. this is like constant constant torment along with <sighs> having that experience um Oh, and then, and that sort of you know in a way like the bond you know we already saw the sort of switching of like feeling like camaraderie between them but like you know that he talks about how when they tie them up together on the horse face to face they call them the lovers they sort of she's the warmth and the you know the, the few you know he mentions comments about her breath and it's stink and all these things but, but his does there's too. Core. <laughs> yeah exactly he says yeah that's interesting too because he always sort of almost like it's he's in his mind well that's a justification for this like that when he does sort of insult her but it's okay you know but there's that warmth there there's that other human the one thing in this horrific experience is her you know just the fact that she's the one who's made to like clean the vomit out of his beard and clean his shit and yes you gotta I think, really like think that, that must have stuck with him too, because it's not something you know. Obviously, George's not going to bring that up a lot, it, but you know, you think about it as a human being that would stick with you—that someone cared. Yeah, that that. And I'm assuming we know Brienne. We're assuming she did it in a very kind manner. It was not cruel. It was not like yeah. oh, this again. But you know, she did what she had to do. I mean, he, he, God, he's got to have respect for just for things like that. You know, the the things that she put up with. <laughs> well, I think this is why, as you see, as you get to his fifth and sixth chapter and seventh chapter and eighth chapter, I mean, this is why they have the bond that they have. And he, he has these thoughts about her. It's She starts to slip into this place that's almost like a Tyrion and Cersei place. Yeah. Where he has points of reference with her, like what she would think or say about things. And this is where that bond is forged. You can just kind of tell yeah. these 
these terrible weeks between when his hand is cut off and they get to Heron Hall are clearly where, you know, he, he's he's too fevered to really think about it or anything, but the level of trust that he has for her, which you'll see in the bath, not just the, yeah. the heiress confession, but afterward, you know, when she cleans yeah. him and dresses him. I mean, like, he just does what she says and goes yeah. along. Like, it's just like kind of like roles that they yeah. slip into. Yeah. 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 No, this is dumb. And, and um, we had a one of the subreddit messages um, from, I believe it's Weibory. Sorry if I pronounce it wrong, but um, um, they had mentioned... Um, this sort of falls in line with this sort of theme we're talking about. Jamie suggested he'd bathe her in the previous chapter, but it's her whole—it's her who literally cleans him up from there onwards. Um, would you say that Brienne cleans him metaphorically as well? And is that a theme George develops? Well, it's still kind of a traditional that, and she puts in a quote: "Pure woman washes her love interest sins away." Quite close to courtly love as well, perhaps. Um, question mark. The story is unfinished, but I hope we get to see more of Brienne's gray areas and how that will make them both grow. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, there's themes. I mean, these are themes that keep showing up again and again with them. Um, well, the water cleansing yeah. rebirth mm-hmm. thing will happen with them yeah. several times, yeah. but I, I don't know. I'm kind of resistant. I think the show kind of set up a dynamic between Jamie and Brienne that is not necessarily what it is in the books, which is the concept that like Brienne is like an angel on one shoulder yeah, and yeah. Cersei's a devil on the other. Yeah, I, I, it's a little bit too much. It's really that. not what you read in the books if you kind of don't go in with the way that the show framed it. I mean, it's very much if Brienne's present, Jamie's better, and if if she's not, he's bad again. Uh, like in the show, it, I, I know where it comes from in the show because it is true. But, yeah, yeah, because the show illustrates that. Yeah, but it's not. Books, I mean, like she. Not, yeah, I think she inspires him. I think she sets an example for him, but it's like she's not the one who changes him. You yeah, know, yeah. it was and always there. You know, it's just things that he buried, right? Yeah. And it's like she yeah. just reignites some of the things that he thought, you know, was and, pointless. And, and to that's pursue. why there changes, like even things that you think, oh, people offhand, like, well, it doesn't matter that much that she chopped the hand, got chopped off with the right. Like, there's things that they change that sort of do change that dynamic, and they sort of take away their individual growth because yes. they're they're tying these things together in a yeah, way that it doesn't happen in the books. No. So that's why it's so important to read the books because it's like it's yeah. it's sort of putting these things in our <laughs> Well, and part of it for me is it's just like it's so important that Brienne has respect for him for like, you know, trying to save her at different times and it's yeah. like he you know, he will eventually make a big sacrifice when he jumps in the bear pit, but he he doesn't make huge sacrifices to save her, but he just starts making little sacrifices to save her, and that's what yeah. kind of starts to turn her toward him. It's like on the show they made this huge sacrifice and it's like, okay, well anybody would soften up to somebody who got their hand chopped off, you know, trying to save them from rape, you know. Yeah. And I, I kinda like the way that George does it better. It's a much yeah. more organic thing and you don't have this weird like debt situation that mm-hmm. you kind of end up with both of them on the show. It's really not in the books, like like Lot said, I mean, this actually is who Jamie is. It's yeah. actually who he's always been. Um, you know, he's just kind of not been doing it <laughs> for the last, mm-hmm. like, 15 years. But he just kind of gets inspired to be himself again, basically. And Brienne's part of that. But she's certainly not, like, you know, standing behind him with a whip whipping into it. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like, I, I mean, she, God, it, it's like, it's like that whole thing, they're, they're both kind of seeing them in the worst possible scenario and they're seeing how the other person is reacting to being in that worst possible scenario i don't know it's just it's it's not yeah it's not as black and white as that you know that she's changing that's her ultimate you know goal to change him and not let him be who he is because 
it's okay. Parts of him are okay. There, he's not a, you know, the evil. Most of them, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Most laughs> <of them fine. laughs> oh yeah, in this world, Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so we go on to, um, you know, so I guess there's that. We get the sense that, like you said, weeks have passed, and um, one morning when Jamie's feeling, he's, I guess he's got sort of like a strong, like feeling slightly stronger. And he grabs a sword and attempts to fight them. And basically, that attempt to fight them is just basically trying to force them to kill him so he can end his suffering. You know, that's yeah. pretty much what it is. It's um, pretty much a suicide Yeah, yeah. And, and he's too ill to do any damage. You know, he falls to the ground. You know, there's more mocking and laughing, you know, kind of clowning. And um, they threaten to take his other hand or foot the next time. And he's laying there. And I'm going to We had a couple subreddits that actually d- directly, and I know this is kind of you know they kind of say what i've my sort of thing is this was it for me for jamie when this portion and i'll read this portion um you know hopefully i won't be too maudlin about it okay jamie lay on his back afterward staring at the night sky trying not to feel the pain that snaked up his right arm every time he moved it the night was strangely beautiful the moon was a graceful crescent and it seemed as though he had never seen so many stars the king's crown was at the zenith and he could see the stallion rearing and there the swan the moon maid, shy as ever, was half hidden behind a pine tree. How can such a night be beautiful? He asked himself. Why would the stars want to look down on such as me? Jamie, Brienne whispered so faintly he thought he was dreaming. Jamie, what are you doing? Dying, he whispered back. No, she said. No, you must live. He wanted to laugh. Stop telling me what to do, wench. I'll die if it pleases me. Are you so craven? The word shocked him. He was Jamie Lannister, a knight of the King's Guard. He was the Kingslayer. No man had ever called him Craven. Other things they called him, yes, oathbreaker, liar, murderer. They said he was cruel, treacherous, reckless, but never Craven. What else can I do but die? Live, she said. Live and fight and take revenge. And uh yeah, that's all <laughs> they're saying uh, that was for and me it, that like oh my god works. like she's <laughs> she's been watching him this whole time, right? And you know, being beaten and taking the simulation and you know, he's never like you said, observing how they are at their lowest point. You know, he's never had this kind of treatment and she pegs him so easily. Like it calls him a craven. And at that moment, you know, he starts eating his oats. <laughs> she knows exactly what to say. Well, yeah. and it's not only that, she knows where he's at. I mean, like, yeah. they've been careful not to talk because they get beat up anytime they are overheard talking. And oh. she actually talks to him because she wants to make she's like, yeah. she can tell that he's suicidal. Yeah. I mean, like, clearly. And she can just see that he's at the end of his rope. And she's like, clearly decides she has to do something. And so she talks to him. I mean, Oh God, this is the most romantic fucking I shit. I don't know. <laughs> don't know how people oh can God. read this and not just ship the shit out. I of know, them. and like her whispering his name. Oh my God! Like what the hell? Like you know, it's like oh my God. I was oh. a slow, slow learner. I didn't really. <laughs> not until the bitch slap was I like okay. <laughs> I was so She's dead. <laughs> She's never called him Jamie before yeah, this moment. Yeah. God. This is another one where the show just did not get yeah, this scene right they, they at didn't. all. Yeah, it was sad because they could. The, both the actors, if they they could have done this, like they could have handled it, and it's just sad that they didn't. Yeah, wasn't written out. Yeah, they really didn't get it. Yeah, um, and um, Shirley Ann sixty six said, "This is my favorite chapter in the book so far." Parentheses. 
Um, and the chapter when I irrevocably fell in love with Jamie fucking Lannister. When was the moment each of you fell in love with him? Assuming you did, of course. LOL. Yeah, I mean, for I me, this was this. it. This is it. That's so poetry. Yeah, this, the, this oh my is God. my favorite chapter, too. This is my favorite chapter in these whole goddamn books. <laughs> Probably bitch slaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. A little variety. <laughs> How about you, Eon? It's hard. It's hard to pick. I mean, this one's great. I really love the bear pit. <laughs> chapter <Yeah>. i mean <laughs> oh, gosh but yeah this is this is great i, I love this <laughs> and, and uh, you know, wibbery um also said again um or did you have something else eon did i i'm sorry I didn't no mean- i just oh, okay. said it's so hard to pick i don't <laughs> yeah yeah she also said um can you tell me your thoughts on the scene when jamie is looking at the stars and there's a direct comparison between them gracing him with light, the stars, she's saying, and Brienne gracing him with her attention and words. Yeah, it's just, oh my god, just George, this is beautiful. This is like, oh my god. <laughs> you can criticize wish, it for a lot yeah. of stuff, but this is beautiful. <laughs> I wish I knew more about their constellations, though, because I'm like, I bet you there's some symbolism in here. I'm not there, getting there it. She's something with the moon maid and uh, stealing wives in... Oh with the wildlings right is it the moon maid i don't know (laughs) in a certain position and that's when they steal why maybe i'm making this up i feel like it's something she is the even star's daughter oh yeah because there's moons on the um oh yeah 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 shy as ever half Mm -hmm. hidden behind a pine tree and like the king's crown was at its zenith, so it's like, does that mean that's about to end? Like, <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like there's some stuff in here that I don't know how to unpack, and that bugs me. But and the fact that he can be so low and still think about like the beauty of the world is like pretty. I don't know, it impressed me. <laughs> this is his, this is being in his fucking head. He's like a poet half the time. God. <sighs> oh, Jamie. <laughs> Okay, so um, so Ward, you know, this is immediately afterwards. Um, he hears Brienne speaking to Jamie, and of course she gets his heart. You know, she gets kicked again, um, kind of moaning. And Jamie's decided, like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like you were saying, like instill like a light. Like he's like, she sees the right of it, and he begins to eat. And that's he's starting to gain his. He's made his decision. Like he's going to start to gain his strength back. And um, then, fortunately, one night Shagwell, Ward, and Zolo come for Brienne. Um, you know, it's kind of been looming. You know, you get this sense because they've been, you know, pretty much since the moment they found them. They've he's this is what has been articulated. This is going to happen. So it's been hanging over our heads as the reader, and it's kind of really horrifying. Um, you know, he Jamie thinks to himself, "They will leave her crippled too, but inside where it does not show." And he tells her to go away oh. inside, um, just like he did when the Starks were burned alive in front of him. Um, God, I just keep going back. This kid has been like so much PTSD, like like from the time he's like young age oh god and i can imagine yeah. how triggering this stuff is for him like for her yeah. for him like not to discount what she's going through but you know god this is just oh but then i mean like the the terror the great and terrible beauty of him trying to yeah. teach her how to dissociate <sighs> which is how he copes with trauma i mean yeah. like i mean like you know I mean, it's terrible. You, you should, you probably yeah. shouldn't be teaching people to dissociate. But I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. Dude, Everything the, about it. The is levels to this, you don't think, do this. The other part of, oh, I was gonna say, I think the other part of this is too. You know, we see a moment where Brienne knows what to say to Jamie to save him, 
at the same time, we see Jamie realizing what he needs, that he knows Brienne just as well, and he knows that she's going to put up a fight, and so he has to He knows she's going to get herself killed. He knows she'd rather die than live through them raping her, so she's going to make them kill her. He knows that's what's about to happen. Yep. And that's why he's trying to teach her how to dissociate. And like, (laughs) oh God. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible that he's trying to teach her to dissociate. But at the same time, this is also so weirdly romantic. I mean, like, it's the worst, best thing. I mean, if you think about the, this is a scenario where where there is no win. And he's trying, I guess he's trying to alleviate some of her, in his mind, alleviate some of her suffering. Um, the only well, he way he and save her. He doesn't yeah. want her to die because she's gonna get herself killed. And, he and knows he her. d- well, he wants her to have as little psychological damage from it as possible. I mean, like mm. the sorry. I yeah, and, he's, and then he gets even. It. I mean, oh like this. He t- and this is him like actually verbalizing this more than okay. Before we got his thoughts in his head, but the next thing he says, he tells her to think of Renly if you loved him. Think of Tarth, mountains, seas, pools, waterfalls, whatever you have on your sapphire isle. Think, and he's interrupted. But the fact that he's like he's listing all these like it's ugh, he's not just you know. Ugh. That he would think to do this is just kind he's of literally you know. painting her a word yeah. picture. He's yeah. never even been to fucking Tarth, but he's yeah. like anything, just like anything to try to distract yeah. her. He's like he's he's literally teaching her how he dissociates right here, and like mm-hmm. I don't know. And it goes it goes beyond <laughs> like captor, and it goes beyond the the things that they thought they needed to do. Like you know, people could say, oh well, he's just trying to get. This is beyond that. He's not just trying to get home to Cersei right now. She's not just trying to get oh. to save the girls. Something else is going on here. I mean, something else has been created in this, this is- moment because other people don't react like this. We don't get other characters reacting to this. You know, <laughs> this. Well, type most of people would just intimacy. be like worried about the physical. Yeah. They just be like, I hope yeah. she survives this yeah. or whatever. You know, and it's like he's actually worried about her yeah. internal well-being, about her soul, basically, and like. Oh my god. I mean, like, there's nothing healthy about teaching people to dissociate. But, oh my god. I mean, like, it's just so he, he, like, very much cares. And you're thinking about, it's where the intention is coming from. Like, what's the motivation? What's the intention? You know? Yeah. Well, and this is the thing about Jamie. And this is where when people say things like, Jamie's a narcissist or Jamie's a psychopath, I'm like, the level that's involved in this discussion that they're having right now. This is empathy. This is empathy. This is so for another human being it's love and he sees the world around him i mean what the hell has cersei ever other than to say oh the fire makes me feel so warm inside or some crap when she's watching the 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 wild like like we just don't see this level of like i mean how could people read this and not see this as an empathetic feeling person no no (laughs) didn't he even do this with tommen Two after oh, yeah, Tywin died. Yeah. yeah, he had to talk with Tom. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. tells Tommen to dissociate yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, like, like I, who was I? I said it to somebody. I was like, it's almost like a love language with Jamie that this yeah. is like is. he loves you. He teaches you his coping mechanisms. I mean, like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a certain amount of strength to get through the crap he had to deal with. You know, I guess for him, he figured this is the way it Clearly. worked, and yeah. Oh gosh, and um, you know, so uh, Rorge approaches them and threatens Brienne with violence if she doesn't cooperate. Um, pretty disturbing stuff too. Um, Shagwell taunts them, and Jamie says, "There's a funny fool. I have a riddle, riddle for you, Shagwell. Why do you care if she screams? Oh wait, I know." And he shouts sapphires as loudly as he can. Um, they kick him in the stump. You know, the worst place that could possibly mm-hmm. injure him right now, and he passes out. And um. 
<sighs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the the little, uh, little finished part before we start discussing. But two nights later, Brienne finally asks Jamie um, why he shouted. He tries to make a jest out of what he did. You know, he sort of brushes it off and points out that an honorable man would have told the truth about the Sapphire Isle, not you know, not lied to you know, essentially saving her. Um, Brienne thanks him. Uh, and he points out the Lannister always pays his debts. Um, but that's not what he was thinking when he did it. I know. I know. <laughs> he's trying. He he's trying. He I know. It. He's trying to make the. It's like he's trying to be like, oh, I don't want to. Now he doesn't want to get into the, the deeps yeah, of why you know, he's doing this. <laughs> you know how we were asked, like, what moment did we fall in love with Jamie Lannister? Well, I think, like, on the re re read, <laughs> I could say it's probably the moment where he tries to jest. And now he says, I want it to make the goat say sapphire. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, I didn't put that in. Yeah, that's true. Right at that moment, right in between her, he said the same thing. That's, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> And and he had two days, and I wonder how long he thought. Did he think of that? Did it just pop in his head, or did he spread two days, like, waiting to say that line? (laughs) Nah, I think it just popped into his head. He's funny, and he made himself laugh, and, like, it's... In a way, it's a little bit of hope. But it's, like, seriously, like, these two romantic fools who, like, figured out when the other one was at their lowest psychological moment and tried to intervene and they each took beatings trying to help each other. I mean, like, Oh my God. I, I, to for a minute closely examine this and think that this is not a romantic pairing is just the most foolish thing I can imagine. I mean, like these two are clearly destined for some serious (laughs) boning later on. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, because this is so balanced. You know what? That is really so equal and balanced what they're doing for each other because if you think about the show, she's guilty. It's almost like in the show it plays out that she's like, oh, well, he just lost his hand because he had to, you know, he, he attempted to save me, lost his hand, and now she's guilty about it. So that's why she's goading him. Like, this is so much more balanced. This is like, ah. Well, and this is about, like, knowing and understanding each other, because it's, yeah. like, the same way that she understands that he's suicidal, he knows he knows, he knows, knows she'd rather die than let them rape yeah. her. And yeah. so, I mean, like, this is, this is a deep level of understanding of the other person. And yeah. it's, like, you forget how long they were together before they ended yeah. up with the bloody mummers, too. Yeah. That was actually probably at least a couple of weeks. And, yeah. you know, yeah. just... Oh my God! That is too. yeah, that is true because that would have I mean that right there because of, yeah that didn't yeah, and he'd already been through seeing her you know dive into the water the rocks like all that stuff had happened so they've already built up a, a they formed opinions about each other and like close contact I mean you think about that just the three of them and then once Cleos is gone you know just the two yeah and um so when they arrive at Heron Hall, Vargo Hope makes a show of parading Jamie and Bran in. Um, when they present uh, presented to Lord Bolton, he orders them to discard the hand. Bolton orders them to discard the hand. Um, he informs them that the Rose and the Lion defeated Stannis during the Battle of the Blackwater, and Joffrey will be marrying Marjorie instead of Sansa, which, you know, of course, Bran, there's sort of this shock, and Jamie's like, okay, here we go, thinking to himself. You know, they sort of played themselves like, um, he orders his men to take Jamie to Quyburn and find a room for Brienne. Quyburn wants to amputate Jamie's entire arm because of the spreading infection. 
Jamie threatens him. Yeah. He's like, you're going to take it on arm. And he like, tries to negotiate. He's like, well, okay, yeah. maybe just for the elbow. I know. I know. It's so funny. You know, and this is sort of what we get the like, you know, which uh, we get the sort of, oh, he has warm brown eyes and shit, you know, but he still don't trust him. He's like, he can look like He's that. grandfatherly. <laughs> and, um, so he basically says, no, you're not going to take my arm. He threatens him. And he's like, he still faints during the cleaning, the stitching of the wound, but Quivern didn't take it off, and he tends the cut above his eye. Um, Jamie tells him it was the wench's gift. There's a little back and forth here, and you know, he's like, uh, asks Quivern to see to her wounds afterwards, and Quivern asks Jamie, "What is Brienne to you?" He responds, "Simply my protector." So that's the end of the chapter. Oh, it is nice that. <laughs> he ends this chapter with like Jamie you know thinking of Brienne and Mm -hmm. sending Kyburn out to Brienne like it's Brienne has become yeah Brienne has become Jamie's binky like his security (laughs) blanket (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, gosh that's got to be a weird feeling for both of them too to fu- to be separated after all that time, you know, all that experience. Yeah. Well, we should probably half-heartedly say yes. There's a whole bunch here that is hints about what's about to happen in the red wedding. Yes. This is like yeah. I, I skimmed over that, in- but uh-huh, we get a lot of. <laughs> I'm like fuck it. it. Doesn't have to do with Jamie and Brienne. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why Jamie's sort of like in his head. He's thinking about like Urswick and all these people who were saying, oh, you know, they're all betting on this happening and they don't even know because they were on the road they didn't even know that all this was going on so oh, well they do know something about it because that's why Vargo oh, they took did. Jamie's oh, hand okay. he, he, knows, he knows he knows that Roos is flipping but Roos is Roos was flipping I think before <sighs> Rob even married Jane Westerling so okay. that's the kind of the theory anyway so yeah I think so I think Vargo kind of catches on that he's in trouble yeah, I wonder how much. Okay, so yeah, and I wonder how much the under. Yeah, I wonder if there's different Bruce, levels, like maybe Ursic knew, but not. Yeah, there are. Maybe not Shaggle didn't know, but yeah. <laughs> I gotta yeah. say yeah. to the passage with Bolton, with Roose Bolton, and it was he was so impressive because you kind of get the sense like these other guys are like squabbling oh, yeah. and like oh, yeah. trying to shout over and try to out testosterone each other, and then like Roose just comes in. He's got like a low, quiet tone that forces everyone to shut up so they can listen to him. Like. Yeah, because it's not just Bolton. It was like a few phrase and things and stuff. Mm -hmm. Jamie's always pretty good at figuring out who's the real power in a room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, even that, like, if we take a moment to, like, look at his interaction with Kyburn, he sums up Kyburn pretty quickly, too. Like, so why is this? Why are you hanging out with these brave companions? You know, like, Mm -hmm. this, yeah, he's got the kind brown eyes and the uh, grandfatherly look about him but he's like you know something's not adding up why are you hanging out with these assholes you know yeah yeah and then the big clue when he lost his chain yeah (laughs) and he doesn't trust uh, kyburn to Mm -hmm. put him you know under yeah he just wants to take strong wine so that he can yeah well well the fact too that he seems too experienced at this kind of work yeah it's like jamie's not trusting this guy (laughs) And uh, so we have um, little comments sort of around about the the bloody mummers. Uh, nobody wrote in on a subreddit. Um, By a feast for crows, most of the brave companions have been accounted for, except for Zolo and Urswick, who supposedly have fled to Old Town. Do you think we might see them again in the Sam Huron plotline and what they might be up to? 
<laughs> I don't know. It's not really anything I really thought about too much, but me neither. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I can't I'm say. Sure they'll pop up. Or Swick and Zolo all that much. Yeah. I'm sure Brienne will kill them eventually. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be good. Maybe they could both kill them. Maybe. Yeah, okay. that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Maybe. how inconspicuous is some guy with a Zors? Which is <laughs> <laughs> basically a zebra. <laughs> yeah, probably not very. <laughs> see, we kind of missed out on that too. I kind of would have liked to see that kind of action and the lisp and everything. I'm all for that. I think I would have liked to see that. In <laughs> Fat Dothraki on a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, okay, so, and then we have a. Uh, here's some some sort of uh, off-topic question from subreddit from um, Leda Irva Doce, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, Hi, so I'm a fairly recent listener, and I've been a patron for, patron for a few weeks. I'm Manuela from Canada. Thank you, by the way, for being a patron. That's awesome. And I absolutely love your podcast. Well, I have kind of an off-topic question that's been bugging me for a few days. Why didn't Tywin, being the heartless, ruthless ass that he is, get rid of, in quotations, Tyrion? I mean, Tarly didn't think twice about shipping off Sam to the wall, and he was ready to kill Sam if he refused. How come Tywin, being so determined to not let Tyrion be his heir, let him have so much influence in the capital? Why didn't he just fake an accident or anything else? I mean, kids die easily in Westeros. Maybe deep down he kind of loved Tyrion in his own twisted Lannister kind of way. I mean, do you think any... Sort of my first thought is, would it be in deference to at all to Joanna's memory at all? Yeah, no? we we've talked about this a yeah. couple of times, and yeah, I think we landed on it's it's a Joanna. lot because he's Joanna's, yeah. um, and then partially to, I mean, Tywin does have a lot of just loyalty to family members, yeah. you know, like uh, he he does seem to feel some need to protect them to an extent, and also like he he understands that Tyrion is a good tool that he can use. Clearly when he makes him hand, it's because he understands that Tyrion knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's asking before he's even an adult. Yeah. And when he's a baby, I think that's Joanna. And, um, I think it's, you know, just his, his weird family loyalty. Cause Tywin does have a weird family loyalty. Um, and then, you know, also he has that thing that he says to Tyrion. Is it in this book where he's like, I can't prove that you're not my son. Yeah. So it's like, maybe, you know, maybe because he thinks he might be his son, he doesn't want to hurt him. I don't know. I and don't I mean, know. they had other people living in the household too, correct? Wasn't like um, Aunt Jenna, you know, so all, I mean, all of the aunts and uncles. Yeah. So, I, so, so I imagine that. with Lannister cousins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, you imagine that they didn't all treat Tyrion horribly. So maybe that had some effect too, that if there was some. No, battle, they didn't. You know, yeah. So. Tyrion has good memories yeah. of his, his, his uncles. So that would be another, you know, in your mind, like a sort of like that social thing where he wouldn't maybe occur to him because. There was, yeah. You know, foundation, their family. Yeah. Uh, and our next, okay, we got some Tumblr messages. Um, let me see. I'll start at the, the, we'll go back to, we're trying to do an order of when they were sent in. Um, from Paramore, we have thank you for this amazing podcast. I'm a new listener. I'm joining you for the re reread, and it's my first since before Game of Thrones began airing. Now, J and B look like Nick and Gwen to me in my mind's eye, and I'm struggling a little whenever I read passages in A Storm of Swords where the descriptions diverge, such as Book Brienne being younger or having a lot of freckles. Weird cognitive dissonance. Does that happen to you all as well, and how do you prefer to imagine book versions of our faves? I, I, had the bo- I read the books first, so I had the books set in my mind, but 
I love the visuals of the show. So, I mean, sometimes it overlaps. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Sometimes. I can't, like, get Nikolai out of my head with Jamie, but Brienne. Oh, really? I yeah, have booked Jamie solidly in my head, but sometimes Nikolai will pop in. It's weird now. But, but uh, Brienne, I have a book Brienne totally in my head. Yeah, I have both book Jamie and book Brienne in my head. Yeah, I don't think I could. That's the thing. Like, I don't have Gwen. When I read book Brienne, I, don't, I never have Gwen. Like, everyone's, I don't know why, but I think yeah. she's too good looking for me to. She's too pretty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. which yeah. isn't a put down to her. It's just, yeah, it's just how it is, you know. How about you, Ian? I- I actually go for, like, the descriptions from the books. I mean, <laughs> to me, like, in my head, whenever I read the description of Jamie Lannister, it's kind of weird. But I think of <laughs> Lestat from Yes, no, I do. I do. I, do. I, 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 I imagine Jamie looking like. But, to, you know, did you read the books like before? Did, yeah. you, did you read the books? Like, So I have an image of yes, Lestat in my head first. before I saw Tom Cruise. So he don't look nothing like Tom Cruise, my Lestat. So my Lestat looks more like Jamie. So I don't know what that Lestat is. Or Louis, because Louis was way hotter. Like, well, Louis with dark real. hair, and Lestat was here. Yeah, Lestat like more visually seems more closer to Jamie. <sighs> no, not, yeah, not, not in the movie. Not in the movie, attractive. but I have a very distinct Jamie, book Jamie in my head, who's this curly, much younger, curly-headed, blonde, ridiculously too I think for yeah. me, I can't think of like anybody with curly hair that I find attractive. He's rock god. So do you not me. imagine him, do you not imagine Jamie with curly hair in the books when you read him? Or? No, I don't. Oh, really? Because I always <laughs> have curly hair. That's why I can't imagine Nikolai always, because I can't imagine Nikolai with curly hair. So it's like I see book Jamie is curly yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe. Oh wait, maybe Michael Landon on Little House. Yeah, I like you him. like him. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> I, I I've been reading a bunch of fics since the stupid show did what it did, and it's so hard because it's all just Nikolai and Gwen oh, now. You know, yes. no, even if it's yeah. supposed to be book book fic, and it's like. <sighs> It's so hard to hear those descriptions and like the Jamie descriptions where it's just so clearly Nicola. Like, <laughs> that's so funny. That is really funny. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. Um, uh, okay, Elizabeth, Elizabeth W. Was it Y W. Devilles? Sorry if I'm messing up your names, everybody. Um, is there a particular Jamie Brand scene from the books that you really wish Nikolai and Gwen had got to play on the show? Also, if you got could get George to write one Jamie Brand scene from the books, what would it be other than the bat? What? TV- <laughs> Am I not? Like, I'm a big dead. TBT WP, of course. The bang. Is it the bang? That was promised was promised okay yeah. sorry I'm i got my i've got my i wish what nikolai could have got to play the part where jamie finds out that cersei's been fucking around oh, with like everybody that would have been I good i would have seen that reaction Ooh, that and been good. for brienne it's clear no oh no chance and no choice okay. she was robbed oh jeez, yeah I would have loved them. Uh, this is going to get me just <laughs> chased out of fandom, but I would have loved to see them do the actual book Oathkeeper scene, which for me is just like so full of sexual tension. It's oh, ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have been And cool. nothing like that syrupy, sappy business that they did on the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. I see that. I think I would have liked that too. I like the the book where version. he asks her, she explains her bodice was padded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a wonder oh, bra. Oh my god! Who does that? that? Oh, Brienne. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that would have been awesome. I want I wish I could have seen Brienne push a boulder off of a cliff. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I don't think it would be believable with Gwendolyn Christie doing it. But no. I mean, it would have been like a Zena, maybe. Awesome. Like Zena, Zena, that animated version. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know the fight scene. My, I, just thinking about reading the fights, you know, that we were reading um, from last week, the where she's dipping his head, like that whole thing where she's straddling him and dipping his head in the water. That would have been fun. Mm-hmm. That was some fun times. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, there was so much. Oh God. Oh, and like you know, the one about um. Oh God, I dreamed of you. We got robbed with that. Just like little things. Yeah, <laughs> we it would have been nice to see the dream. Yes. God, that was a great dream. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh gosh, yeah. So, um, and what was the other one like? If you could get um, uh, George to write one Jamie Brienne scene for the books, what would it be? I mean, the like, bang. The future, yeah. <laughs> other than that, but. Oh. What the fuck? Yeah, I know that looks. That's like the big. It's hard to visualize anything else with that extent. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that like the the quiet aisle stuff would be cool too, like the stuff that shows up and fix and stuff. But I don't know if we're ever get that. <laughs> oh, oh. And um, let's see our next. Does anybody else have any? No, I'm trying to think of what I would pick, but it's just like, well, them fucking, well, that's a given. <laughs> uh, well, we didn't saving even see Podrick, them fucking. Some miracle, somehow by miracle, saving Podrick. Yeah. There. Uh, I don't know good. how that's going to happen, but <laughs> that would be nice to see. Jamie being Jalisa Pyle. Jamie being Oh, Jalisa yes. Pyle. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we, yeah. yeah. Forgot that. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Fuck Podrick. Just some Heil Jamie interaction. <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> no, see, I'm. Do you guys feel like I feel like this has been talked about? Like we've all imagined this so much. I will be disappointed if we don't get that. If we don't get the highs, <laughs> it's gonna be like a major disappointment. <laughs> oh, I could oh. read just of that. <laughs> <laughs> you could make like a little Night of the Seven Kings a little sub story. Give us in the meantime. Um, okay, Wendy wrote. Hey, I'm Wendy, whose lengthy email you mentioned last week. You actually, which might be, sorry, probably two weeks ago, because this episode, uh, we kind of had to stagger a mail, mail a little bit. Uh, we got a lot of it. Um, you actually read some of the stuff in there. Thank you. I didn't think it would make it, LOL. Also, thanks a lot for your thoughtful response on Jamie being aware to some extent of his dynamic with Cersei. I think it's true he does know, but as you said, he's not particularly contemplative, or at least he's selectively contemplative. As the chapters progress, we get to see more of him realizing what those things actually mean. Um, uh, let's see. <sighs> Sure. Uh, this is kind of about the so would this be the second chapter so in the reread I realized that this is the first time Jamie actively wants to share a laugh with Brienne which I find adorable he makes the oh this is horseshit joke when referring to the innkeeper at the stables and then looks at Brienne like did you see what I just did lol it's also the chapter where he starts to realize they're more similar, similar than one might think she chooses the road he would have chosen and starts thinking at least he's not she's not as stupid and gives her a grudging smile um, oh yeah yeah that was like yeah, that kind of stuff right there and uh one of the things i like about jamie is that he does have a soft spot for those society tends to reject and i think this is a bit of compassion that shines a different light on him when you're reading for the first time and we talked about that a little in this episode you know there's things mm-hmm. that you can't deny this man has some feeling compassion and all these things like 
lots of it. It's also interesting to me that he tries to make Brienne understand. He wants her to understand the whole conundrum about his vows and how young he was when it all happens. Um, and when she scolds him and disapproves him, he starts having nightmares about the past once more. Brienne stirs things in him he'd rather leave unturned, and I love that although he actively seeks to annoy her at this point, she only has to say a couple of words and a scowl and a little scowl a little to send him spiraling lol thanks again for everything i'm having a lot of fun and i hope you guys are too Mm. (laughs) it sure is good to be back in the books yes Yes. this is great (laughs) (laughs) and we have an anonymous um love the podcast you guys are smart and funny question is jumping ahead but interesting to consider as we read the earl as we read the earlier jb chapters how big a deal is it in the social construct of westeros to sleep with highborn lady out of wedlock on one hand george wright's characters shacking up all the time in king's landing but this is still an au of 15th century europe if we ever get the big bang and they aren't married would it be a highly dishonorable thing for Jamie to take uh, Brienne's virginity without marriage? We've kind of gone over this, like I think we've gone over. This. I mean, George <laughs> George writes it a lot. I, I mean, like George George writes people having quote unquote premarital sex in yeah. Westeros a lot. I mean, like yeah. Liza did. Um, clearly, Jamie and Cersei fucking did. Um, you got you've you've got instances like just even, even in POV in chapters, the Duncan Egg books. Is like yeah, because that's that, that, that's reality. No matter how cloistered society is, people yeah. are going to do it. You know, yeah, <laughs> and it happens now. Um, it happened then. Yeah, I, it's your I think only it, source of entertainment, really. <laughs> I, think, I think it gets a little overblown that that they're too honorable to fuck. I mean, like, listen to both of them talk, and I really don't think they are. And Jamie is clearly, if we know anything, a man that plays by his own rules. Yeah, I mean, like, he's talking a lot about, you know, the Kingsguard right now, but uh, you just watch. But you, and so is Brienne, at- to be fair. Like, yeah. Brienne is an anomaly. Like, I can't yeah. say the word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Anomaly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She damn well is. I mean, with her suitors, she's yeah. saying that, I mean, she, she won't allow them to chastise her unless, like, they beat her. Yeah. Yeah. In the courtyard, deal. you know, with sword. I mean, yeah. that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and as we saw in this chapter, a lot of the the there any kind of formal barriers that they had would be broken down by her wiping his ass. I mean, you oh, you yeah. just like these things are happening. They've been exposed to each other. They're in the bath together naked. I mean, I think they've they've gone way beyond naked together. The point where this would matter. Yeah, they've been naked together <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah. I mean, like, George, George is not doing the chastity thing. I understand why people think the chastity yeah. thing. And I think if you do the thing that I know a lot of people do, and I'm not faulting people for doing this, but if you just pull out the Jamie and Brienne chapters and just read them, it kind of might give you a concept of Westeros that is is not Westeros. Um, in, in the full concept of Westeros, I just don't think it'd be weird for them to sleep together. I think it's something George would do, and I think it's something they would do. Yeah. And our final piece of mail is from another Tumblr. It's Phantom Shipper 666. Thanks for the re-read. re-re-read. I'm honestly traumatized by season eight and needed the soothing balm of the books to heal my soul. You're doing God's work. Thanks, ladies and gents. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I think we all feel that way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com on Tumblr, close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Google music, wherever else you listen. And please support us on Patreon at close the door. Um, thanks everyone. <laughs> I'm closing the door. Get Thank out. You. <laughs>